Nazarim Daf Pei Amud Bet and Daf Pei Aleph Amud Aleph. How you look is also how you see. Kvisatan Kodemet After a relatively long period of absence, for which I've uh, apologized and explained, uh, it's good to be able to get back to some of the key elements of this 11th Perik of Nedarim, the Perik that deals, among other things, with the particular kinds of Nedarim, the particular kinds of, kinds of vows that a wife can make uh, for which a husband has the power of annulment. What are those vows? How does he annul them? And why can he annul them? One of the sections, one of the classes of vow, of neder, that the husband can annul, are called nidre inui nefesh. Nidarim, those types of vows which could cause suffering and a diminishment of the quality of life of his wife. Uh, she might have made it uh, that vow in a moment of anger, fury, sadness, uh, and he's able to overrule that vow and annul it. Uh, based on the pasuk in Pashat Matot, any neder or shvua that a woman forbids upon herself, which could cause her physical pain, suffering, her husband has the authority to give force to that neder or to annul that neder. This idea of inu nefesh, of course, the moment the word comes up, one thinks of the other area where the word inu nefesh comes, the idea of causing physical suffering that can diminish the quality of one's life from a physical perspective. And those are the laws of Yom Kippur, which we have in Pashat Acharimot, where we're told also that on Yom Kippur, ta'anu et nafshotechem, we are meant to cause ourselves physical discomfort in those ways. And so the Gemara does explore other ways of making any kinds of comparison between these two halachot. This law of uh, the husband's right to annul a vow is enunciated, legislated in our mission at the beginning of the Perech. These are the oaths which a husband is entitled to annul. Firstly, any neder in which there is the potential for a physical discomfort. For example, if she says, I, I will not bathe myself, I will not wear makeup uh, and, and make myself look good. And then the Gomorrah goes on to, to say, uh, looking at the comparison between washing as an act of inui nefesh, which if a woman uh, forbids upon herself, the husband can intervene with an annulment, and the idea of inu nefesh on Yom Kippur. And the fact that on Yom Kippur, although we're not permitted to wash, it's not an isur karet. Uh, it's not really, um, it, it's an isur doraita, it's a Torah law that we're not allowed to wash on Yom Kippur. But it's not an isur karet, meaning that it's not really considered as part of inu nefesh on Yom Kippur. Inu nefesh is about not eating and not drinking on Yom Kippur. So in the laws of Yom Kippur, we seem to suggest that washing is not a an expression of inui nefesh, of serious physical discomfort. So why here in the laws of Nedarim are we considering washing as a case of serious discomfort? And Rabbi Yossi answers and, and says, and the Gemara answers and says, there's a difference between Yom Kippur and, uh, and, and the case of Nedarim. The reason is that by Yom Kippur, 
uh, it, the, what is forbidden is inri nefesh, which is Im, which results, or let's put it this way, an action which results in immediate inri nefesh. So not eating, you very quickly feel during the day of Yom Kippur itself, you feel the outcome, you feel the results of not having eaten and not having dr- drunk. You feel the inri nefesh, and that's what the Torah wants you to feel. But in the case of not washing, if you don't wash for, for one morning, you're not going to feel that serious discomfort. It's only after a few days of not washing that one feels serious discomfort. And that's not the type of inri nefesh that the Torah forbids on Yom Kippur, and therefore the difference. The Gemara goes on to say, um, it, it questions Rabbi Yossi, because Rabbi Yossi is the person who says in uh, in our Mishnah that washing is not considered inu nefesh. If a woman says, I'm not going to bathe myself, that's not considered enough physical discomfort for the husband to be entitled to annul that vow. Of course, she's free to go to a chacham, to go to a, a rav, to a bezdin, and to request that they annul the vow like any other vow, but he cannot unilaterally annul the vow, says Rabbi Yossi. And yet, on the other hand, the Gemara brings a fascinating conversation. There's a town that has a stream of water, which is enough to supply that town, and the water also continues down the stream to the next time. town. The din is that if the, water, the, the spring has only enough water for one town, then that first town that owns the spring has the first right to the spring, and the people of that town have to be satisfied with water first, and the other town has to make other arrangements. Then the Gomorrah goes on with other forms of prioritization of this scarce resource of water, and the one is kvisatan kvisatachirim. If there's enough water not only for them to drink, but also to do their laundry, um, but there's not enough water for the next town to drink and do their laundry. So that if the first town does their laundry, the second town can't do their laundry. Then nevertheless, uh, they're entitled to do their laundry and the other towns make whatever the arrangements. However, if there's a conflict between life and laundry, uh, that if the first town uses the water for, for drinking and for laundry, then the other town will not have even for drinking. Of course. The uh, second town has the right to, the, to drinking before the first town has the right to do their laundry. Rabbi Yossi, Amir Rabbi Yossi says, oh no, that's not true. I don't agree with that. And Rabbi Yossi has an amazing idea here. Even the laundry of the first town is prioritized over the drinking water of the second town. They must go and find drinking water some other way. Because the first town is entitled to use the water from that spring, not only for their drinking needs, but also for their laundry needs. And the Gemara says, If Rabbi Yossi acknowledges that not doing laundry is so serious that you can deny the second town, town drinking water because you're using the water for your laundry, if that's how serious Rabbi Yossi views, how seriously Rabbi Yossi views laundry, how can Rabbi Yossi say that the whole body of washing to bathe oneself is not inri nefesh, is not so important, uh, and therefore it should be considered a vow that a husband can nullify? Says the Gemara, Amri in kvisi alim Rabbi Yossi. 
Yes, Rabbi Yossi actually holds that laundry is a greater priority than bathing, than drinking, than, than, than washing oneself. The Amar Shmuel, because we've learned a, learned a principle from Shmuel, these are various medical ideas that they had at that time, um, and we don't always understand them and know whether they apply today or they don't apply. Um, it, it's true that we have to follow the medical advice of our time, but on the other hand, uh, we know already that there's a whole lot of wisdom in ancient Chinese medicine which is not supported uh, by scientific data in the Western world, and yet the Western world is beginning to use it as an ancillary uh, form of, of healing to, to Western medicine. So the ancients definitely had knowledge of uh, certain things that were, that were healthy and unhealthy, and um, not washing one's head regularly can affect eyesight. I suppose there's a perspiration that falls into the eyes and can weaken eyesight. Ibuvita demani amumita. Dirty clothing can bring to sha'amumita, uh, and we'll see in the run what the definition of this illness is. And arbuvita dugufa, and by not washing oneself and bathing oneself, brings to, to blisters and, and lice and other forms of, of unclean uh, results on one's body. And the run says, what is, what is the idea that... Um, um, that if one um, doesn't wear clothes, doesn't wash clothing, and one wears them when they're disgusting, when they're dirty and filthy, it brings one to a depressiveness and a sense of being overwhelmed and pulled down. Um, and the Ran explains that that is more serious than the physical results, the physical illnesses that result from not washing one's head or from not bathing one's entire body, because this can't be uh, healed that easily. Physical illnesses, you go to a skin specialist and he'll give you the cure for the skin disease. But when a person has depression, when a person feels the sadness and this loneliness and the sense of overwhelm, that can't be fixed so easily. And the Chidush of Rabbi Yossi, as the run explains it, is that dirty clothing can bring one to that sense of fear, of worthlessness uh, and that sense of lack of self-dignity and that sense of, uh, of, of depression. And we've seen this, and now the research is, is only coming in now, really, that even with the, the Zoom work that we were doing during COVID and that con continues even today, people wanting to work from home, preferring to work from home. And of course, there's an informality in working from home and not having to get dressed for work. And if you're having a Zoom call, you just put on a shirt and nobody knows the difference, but you don't really ever dress up properly and make yourself look decent. And everybody thinks, well, that's much more convenient. It's more comfortable. It is convenient and comfortable. It's convenient and comfortable to walk around in T-shirts and, and shorts and, and flip-flops. It's convenient and comfortable. But we learn in this Gemara, it affects your self-image. It affects your, your self-dignity. And, and when, you, when you don't have the opportunity to dress up and present yourself well, it's not just about how other people see you. It's about how you see the world. It's the lens through which you see the world. It's the sense of self against which you're judging the world and evaluating the world. 
and not taking care of one's own presentation and allowing oneself to drop to the levels of, of lowest common denominator of comfort without any sense of elegance, smartness and presentation affects the way we feel about ourselves. Uh, and we understand that you can only love other people as much as you love yourself. The Torah doesn't expect you to love people more than you love yourself. And so if you want to love people more deeply and more widely, you need to love yourself more deeply. And that's the sense of self and the sense of dignity. One cannot present oneself in a way that is, uh, is so slack and so unclean and unhygienic and still have a real sense of self-worth as one goes about one's life and one's work. That's part of what we see from, from Rabbi Yossi, the importance of that. Uh, Albert Schweitzer used to say uh, that he and his wife were able to retain their civilization uh, and their culture through the many years they lived in the jungle and worked in the jungle uh, is was because every single evening they would dress for dinner. He would dress in his... Uh, uh, tailcoats, his tuxedo, and she in her beautiful gowns in a little clearing in the middle of a jungle. And that's how they would have dinner every single night. Uh, and, and for us too, there should be a sense of occasion when we, when we eat together, we have a meal. There should be somewhat of a sense of occasion. Certainly when we study Torah or we, or we go to shul to daven and certainly on Shabbat on a Friday night in shul and at home to take the opportunity to present oneself in the most elegant way we're able to within reason and the norms of the society in which one's living so that we can develop that sense of self and self-dignity with which to view the world and through which to relate to the world.